welcome to AIJCast, a podcast featuring conversations and performances at the intersection of art, inspiration, and justice. I'm your host, Marthame Sanders. Today, we're going back to our second episode ever, way back in 2017, as part of my conversation with Shauna Bowman. Shauna is a visual artist and is pastor of Friendship Presbyterian Church in Chicago. Shauna and I got a chance to sit down in Kansas City five years ago. Shauna, welcome to AIJCast. Hi, it's so good to be here. Um, I'm interested kind of taking a step back. So you've got in some ways this dual vocation of theological education slash vocation mm-hmm. in ministry as kind of traditionally understood, and then this vocation as an artist. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, kind of stepping back, can you see what kinds of things in your life led you into those two pursuits? And then later I want to get to kind of how you work them together, but first mm-hmm. kind of how you, how is it that you ended up in seminary and how is it that you became passionate about art? Yeah. Well, I think that the, one of the pieces that I'm finding, I keep coming back around to actually is the role of, um, a teacher or a guide. So I was an art teacher before I went to seminary and the things that drew me to teaching, like art made the most sense for something to teach because I loved it and I was passionate about it, Mm -hmm. but I also love the art of teaching. And so I think the things that, that drew me to that were this sense of exploring other people's stories and their capacity for discovery and that that thread has actually turned up um in my teaching and in my ministry and just this idea of like doing this work alongside of people and with people and i think um there's something really creative about that interaction because you always have to be participatory right like you can't do it by yourself Um, And so like looking backwards, I think that that's probably what has drawn me to both of those things Mm -hmm. is that is that work. Um, But as a kid, I like I always loved making things and getting my hands dirty and I collected weird stuff and made (laughs) stuff out of it. Like one year I collected like this is super weird, but like animal skulls, like I found a squirrel skull in the yard and then I was like, oh, this is a thing. And my family was like, this is really weird. That's like, it's you, you either there's, yeah, there's like a fork in the woods that either goes serial yeah. killer or Georgia O'Keefe. Right. Yeah. Right. And I feel like, you know, I, hopefully it's George. O'Keefe. And you've, you've thread the needle between the two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've always been drawn to create. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to make stuff. And I grew up in a making stuff family. Mm. Um, so like my grandfather was a woodworker and made us amazing Christmas gifts, you know, and, and made us things through the year. And my mom is a seamstress and uh, we're gardeners and um, maker people. And so like I think that's in my my DNA in a way or it was nurtured in um to create things. And then talk about the theological piece of that or the, the sense of call or the sense of faith. Is that, was that also part of the household growing up or? Yeah, I come from a a really, um, uh, faith community was a central part of my family. So I didn't grow up Presbyterian, um, but I grew up in a disciples of Christ congregation. Um, but my mom was actually the secretary of the Presbyterian church in the town I lived in. Um, and I spent, a ton of time at church because I would either be at her day job, you know, messing around 
trying to get her to laminate things for me. <laughs> or I would be at the church I grew up in where she served as a, uh, the volunteer choir director and organist. Mm. Maybe she wasn't volunteer. But she was the mu- church musician, as, and that was like her side hustle, right? So um, I lived at church. I, was, I feel like I grew up kind of like a PK in that way, but right. in a different, almost like more behind the scenes because I was like, the secretary's kid and like Interesting. the music director's kid. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So not the, not yeah. the preacher's kid. No. So not with the expectation that preacher kids sometimes get from the community. I was like a fly on the wall. Um, and I loved the pastors at the churches and I would like camp outside their offices and like talk to them and ask them questions. And I was, you know, probably really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> so... And then, and then you ended up in this career as an art teacher. Mm-hmm. What ages were you teaching? Mostly I taught um, K through five. Um, and I did that for about, I, I taught in a public school setting for five years. I did some contract work before that, before I got that job. Um, but it was really fun because that means I got to see like almost like a whole cycle of kids come through the system from like kindergarten through fifth grade and the time I was doing that. Um, and I loved that because I got to see them grow as humans, but also as artists and mm. um, really sort of take hold of different ways of creating and being artists. And, and I worked really hard to integrate that with classroom work and teachers. And so um, that was really fun. It was a really good experience. I didn't stop teaching because I didn't like it. I It was like, I love this, but I want to do more. Mm. Like the students would have so many things happening in their lives and I began to feel like what are we doing here like trying to get them to like sit still for 45 minutes and like focus on something when their life is falling apart or their life is just holding so many other things and as teachers you're not really allowed to go beyond your own scope and so I felt like ministry was like a place I could attend to the whole person a little differently and that's what drew me to that well and there's two things i'm picking up that i pick up on in what you're saying one is that integrating art into the classroom as opposed to this standalone elective extracurricular kind of approach that there's an integrative part of it for you that it's it's essential it mm-hmm. and it and it can be math and social studies and english and language and all these other things that they're all integrated together Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the creative process for me is like, um, I would say the creative process is almost like an orientation. And so, um, which is, you know, I, I think a lot about how the church could use a lot, <laughs> a creative process is orientation, um, way of thinking. But, um, in all things, I think that, that there's a, there's a lens there. There's an invitation to experiment to be playful, to not take ourselves so seriously, to have a thicker skin for failure. You know, artists know that you don't make anything perfect on the first round. You don't, like, lay down a great track the first time. You don't um, sit down at a potter uh, wheel and pull a beautiful vessel. Like, you make so much shit, tons of it. And so there's this, like, and and there's this almost camaraderie in that, right? Like, we're all in this together. Like, oh, you really mess that one up like let's do it again right and I just think that that's there's so much to teach 
um, in other settings where we hold up things like perfectionism or quote-unquote success is like the highest bar um, and that's I do think that integration would be really helpful for a lot of our systems whether it's education or the church world or life <laughs> you, well you would think that a, a church that it lives so strongly by grace right would be a lot more okay with failure yes yeah uh, when your when your primary story your central story is the story of like death and resurrection you would think that we 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 should be on the front like lines of preaching that story um but we're afraid well and that's yeah fear is powerful and i think there's for me i love to tell people that i'm a calvinist because it makes like they make funny faces (laughs) like i just did right exactly (laughs) but here here's why and i'm not a pure calvinist i'm a postmodern calvinist whatever Mm -hmm. that is that's the great thing about postmodern is you can put it on anything and then make it whatever you want it to be (laughs) true now it's contextual that's right so but the reason that I say that, that I'm a Calvinist, is because at the heart of his theology is this idea of absolute and utter imperfection, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And while it, on the one hand, I recognize why that is hard for people to swallow mm-hmm. and how it has been used abusively in terms of belittling people's self-worth. Mm-hmm. And part of that I'm realizing as we're talking is that's that also may be the position of privilege I inherit to be able to take that and say, oh, this is freeing, yeah. right? Yeah. So I, you know, I'm in my sixth year as a pastor and I've actually probably become, and it might even be cynicism, like more of a Calvinist than I have been previously. I've had a really, I've operated most of my life with a really high anthropology, mm. sort of the opposite of Calvinism. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Um, which is, which, but it's almost saying the same thing, but it's coming at it from the other way. Sure. Which is... You're made in the image of God. You're beautiful. You're beloved. You're invited into a cooperative, like, collaborative dance with God. And you can't f*** it up. So why not try all the things, right? Like, it's almost like landing in the same place but coming at it, (laughs) you know. It is, yeah. From two different directions. Like, there's not, if nothing separates us from the love of God, then why wouldn't we just be all in? Like, it, 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 that feels setting free to me. But I also, I totally understand where you're coming from, that the, like, it's all busted. We're busted and beloved, so why not? If, if imperfection is the nature of being, then what is the, what is the fear about failing? Because you're going right. to fail. right. And right. rather than being paralyzed by that, to me, that gives opportunity for freedom to just, well, I'm going to give it a shot because God's going to take it over. But it does miss the collaborative piece, which I I inhabit more of the collaborative piece now than I ever did before. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm not as Calvinist as I thought I was, <laughs> but, but there is this, yeah, there's, for me, there's that freedom and imperfection. Yeah, I agree. I think, and, and I think imperfection is not the enemy of the artist. And so... And and there's so many beautiful stories around imperfection, right? And like um, traditions that actually celebrate imperfections and incorporate them into their work. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of uh, indigenous art incorporates imperfection into the work as a place for um, the spirit to move in or even just as a matter of humility, right? And so... 
um, Islam, I, Islamic prayer rug, rugs, you have to have an imperfection. Yep. yep. It's true. It's required to make, mm-hmm. a, if you're making a perfect rug, you got to screw it up to make it a correct rug. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I, perfectionism within the church culture is a, is a mystery to me. Yeah. Well, and it's funny, I don't know about you. I grew up in a kind of a classic and, and I'm grateful for this. I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm ungrateful, but I grew up in a classic high steeple Presbyterian church where there was a high emphasis on appearing like you had your life together. Yeah. 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 I'd like to say I grew up in, um, so even though I grew up disciples of Christ, which now I've encountered uh, a real variety theologically, I grew up in a fairly conservative version of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it was inspired not, not by evan- evangelicals, but definitely by like a Puritan <laughs> perspective. Right. And so there was a real like appearance driven, like what will people think? Um, demonstrate your election. Right. Like live up. Live <laughs> Fruits up of the to spirit the should be evident to everybody. Right. Um, peace that I don't, I don't think that that's, I don't think that's very helpful. Um, because then we don't tell true stories about our lives. Shauna Bowman on AIJ cast. We'll be back to more of our conversation in just a moment, but first a quick word. As always, I encourage you to visit the AIJ cast website, AIJcast.com, which is a great place to check out our artists including their news, information, and products. Speaking of our artists, and before we jump back into our conversation, Shauna refers to Friendship Presbyterian's location at the time that we spoke. That location has changed, and there's a great deal of exciting stuff happening with Friendship Presbyterian Church and Friendship Community Place. We've got links to that and so much more on our website. Just go to aijcast.com. And now, back to more of our 2017 conversation with Shauna Bowman. Well, and then back to the piece about being an art teacher and how you were encountering kind of a part of these children's days and how there was a lot more Mm -hmm. systemically at work in their lives. Mm -hmm. And first of all, I'm aware that a lot of teachers end up being this kind of pastoral role in a sense, Mm -hmm. because they, there's a real vulnerability when the relationship is built. And second of all, that I, it makes sense to me for you to connect the dots between being the teacher and then saying, but I want to do something beyond that mm-hmm. and going into ministry. So tell me about that. How I made that, that path. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I was teaching full time. I have three kids I, at the time. Uh, they were all tiny and I was really involved in my local church. And I, because I grew up so um, enmeshed in church life. And then I also started a family really young. I never did though, like go away and come back from church experience that is somewhat common in our narrative, I feel like. And, um, part of it was like the place I knew how to make community was the church. And so, um, when I moved my family from one small town in Iowa to an even tinier town to go to college, uh, to finish my, my degree, um, it was like a town of 8,000 people in, in Southeast Iowa. And there was like one Presbyterian church and I had been 
worshiping in a Presbyterian church, so we turned up to it. And on the first day I was there, they were like, anybody want to help teach Sunday school? Stay after worship today. And I totally showed up to the meeting <laughs> because I don't know how to do church as a... As a as a bystander. Right. Because like, I just I grew up behind the scenes, so I was like, okay, well, we're going to do this. And so by the time I was teaching for several years, I was helping run like the Christian education and youth program at church. And so um, I just got further and further enmeshed in that work and felt an increasingly strong sense of call. And I think I, I can identify that throughout my um, even early childhood um, sort of sense of, of being called into ministry. Hmm. And so um, I, you know, I avoided it for a while and listened and, um, eventually decided to make, make that, make that leap. Um, but I was not like, people didn't experience me as like a, a super religious person. And so when I announced I was leaving teaching art, uh, to go to seminary, like I went in to tell my principal, who is my boss, like, I'm not signing my contract. I'm not coming back. Um, he almost fell out of his chair laughing. Like he thought I was kidding. Um, and then I was like, no, I'm, this is, I'm going to seminary. And he was like, why would you do that? Um, which was a really common reaction I got from a lot of people. Um, but I moved, you know, my whole family picked him up from 8,000 people town in Iowa and came to Chicago, uh, and threw him into the Chicago public schools and went to grad school. And, um, we, it was sort of a baptism by fire of urban, life, but also, again, enmeshed in community. We lived in student housing, and um, it was a really uh, intense time, but one of the most beautiful seasons of our life. It really shaped uh, who we are from community to theologically, and um, it was a good, a really good and hard uh, decision, Um, but we ended up staying in Chicago, and that's where I've made my ministry. So, um, now we've been there longer than they've lived anywhere else. Wow. Yeah. And you've been pastor at Friendship Presbyterian for six years now? I'm in my sixth year. Yeah. Tell me about Friendship Presbyterian. Yeah. So Friendship is um, the product of a project between two congregations who um, were worshiping on the northwest side of the city. They were traditional uh, church buildings um, with diminishing resources. And actually, they were in conversation with quite a few other churches initially um, about whether there was any possibility of collaborating together. And as their conversation started to turn seriously towards either a merge or um, a real transformation project, um, only two congregations stayed at the table. Hmm. Like it was just really the idea, as soon as you say the word church merge, that really scares folks. Well, Um, we're back to fear. Yeah. Yeah. And this was at the time that our polity required, um, if churches were going to merge, then they had to say goodbye to pastors, um, so, and they decided really early on in their process that they would also cl- like close and sell their buildings. And if they were going to do this, they were going to like actually start a new thing, not just absorb one into the other and then have all the same issues. And so they made that really hard decision and it was so brave and they had great pastoral leadership and people in leadership, um, that helped shape a vision for not something they had no idea what would happen but this idea that it was worth the risk and i think that was like the most magical 
part of their journey. Um, and so they did that and they put their, their buildings on the market. They said goodbye to pastors and then like miraculously both buildings sold within like six months of Hmm. each other. Um, and they found themselves looking for a home Mm -hmm. and they ended up at this train station in Norwood park in Chicago, um, where we've been, um, the whole time I've been a pastor there and it's this beautiful little historic train station and an intimate setting. Um, it feels like some of the most holy sacred space I've ever stepped foot in and a lot of it is because of what we've practiced there Hmm. um and so they've learned um through a real experience of death and resurrection um that the church it sounds really cheesy to say it but i think we don't really believe it often the church really is the people (laughs) not the building uh when we talk about what to do next they're adamant they do not want to mess with a big old church building they want to think more um creatively than Hmm. that and so um, that's the story, sort of the short story of, of friendship. And then they called me as their first called pastor. And that was your first call out of seminary? Um, I actually did some chaplaincy work and was ordained to that. And then this was my first parish call. Have you found ways to weave art into mm-hmm. the ministry that you do? I feel like you've talked about that in, in kind of the more, which I love, is this this more kind of theoretical level. And I, that's huge to me to be able to move from the linear to the theoretical mm-hmm. or the, 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 that 30,000 foot level. But have you also found ways to integrate your art into the ministry that you're doing in the church? Yeah, uh, f- for sure. And in fact, I think sometimes, um, the, o- if anything holds me back from doing it, it's, I let my own like anxiety or like internalized expectations of what pastors should be doing get in the way. Like I can't, describe enough how open and uh experimental and creative this congregation is willing to be um and is and so a lot of it is just do we you know what can we imagine let's do that right um but you know when I went to seminary I had this now looking back ridiculous idea that I was gonna have to stop being an artist and Mm. become a pastor Mm -hmm. um and so I really thought like I was closing this chapter and I went to seminary and that the the hardest part of that for me was that it felt in a lot of ways devoid at first of any creativity. Um, and academia doesn't necessarily foster. <laughs> I mean, I think some folks would say they foster creativity, but it's in a very specific right form often. Yeah. Um, you know, when I, I would say like, wow, I wish I could paint a picture of this. It's not like I can turn that in, in a, you know, master's level program. Like, can I paint something instead of turning in a paper? That's you know, shot down. So, um, in my third year of seminary, I was invited to do a series of paintings at a local congregation at Lakeview Presbyterian Church, um, as part of a sermon series. Um, and that happened sort of by accident. I shared a drawing that I had done during worship with the pastor, Joy Douglas Strom is her name. Mm -hmm. And, um, in sort of a really dorky, like, look what I made during church today. You know, <laughs> I loved your sermon. And she called me the next day and said, um, I'm thinking about doing this series for um, for worship, and I want you to come paint paintings, but they have to be massive because our space is big. And I was like, well, how massive? And she was like, I was thinking like six or eight feet. And I wasn't even like a painter. Like, I was... I was more of a uh, ceramicist and, like, Mm. loved 3D work and, you know, hadn't spent a lot of time. Like, my college painting professor, um, 
like died when I told him I was painting live in worship. <laughs> um, but of but of course I was like, yeah, that sounds fun because I was so hungry to make something and like to bring the theological uh, education that I was receiving into a medium that was really my first language. And I didn't even have those words to describe it, but that's what I realized in this process. And so I showed up every Sunday and we rolled out these huge pieces of paper and I used these oil paint bars and painted a painting every Sunday for like 10 Sundays in a row. Um, and I've and my sense of call just came alive. Like I had this huge aha moment where I realized that these weren't separate pieces. And in fact, my best worshiping self was my artist self, because that's how I most authentically express myself. And from a pastoral perspective, I thought, oh, that's what we want. We want people to come and experience worship in their most authentic selves. So it's not that I think everybody should be painting in worship, but that we should have such an open and creative and permission-giving space that you can be a worshiper in the way that's most authentic to Mm. yourself, Um, whether that's through word or dance or movement or even just taking something in, right? Like that really is the most authentic for some people. Um, But how do we respond out out of our heart? sort of. And so that was a really uh, great experience. Um, and so, and then we have these, you know, paintings of the Exodus story. And from an, from an artistic perspective, um, it's not that I think they're all master pieces of artwork, but they all represent a really important point in the process. And so that's where I really became, began to understand that, the work of art and ministry is really about inviting people into a creative experience and into a process um, and less about product. We get so hung up on the product of things, yeah. um, and e- even in the arts. And there are times and places for that, but to me, the integration of the arts and faith and church community is about engaging a practice, which then is like the most traditional thing ever to say, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like. Mm-hmm. Oh, practice. It's a discipline. It's a discipline. Um, And it has something to teach us by the very nature of just committing to it, right? And giving ourselves completely over to it, Um, just like the mystics did with prayer, right? It's a form of prayer. It's interesting. uh, There's a conviction conviction of theological education in an interesting way. And it reminds me of a friend who's a professor in seminary. And the assignment for the class was to turn in a two-minute video. And the rebellion that he had on his Mm -hmm. hands, Mm -hmm. because people who are self-selecting for seminary are the people who do well writing 30-page research papers. except for this girl. Except for you. (laughs) But then there are the people who would say, I would rather write a song Mm -hmm. than a sermon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's... So I am teaching at McCormick, ironically, cool. as an adjunct right now. I'm, I'm on the teaching team for a ministry course that goes alongside the field site. And that's, I am becoming increasingly convicted that, la- that I think the, the theological and, and biblical and, and church history and all those pieces are really important. But if we aren't helping folks make the link between how that 
translates to transformative church and life ministry, whether it's prophetic in the public square or in a more traditional Sunday morning setting, if we aren't shaping that in every course, I think it should be a piece of every course. Um, What does this look like on the ground when you're getting your hands dirty? How are you putting this in um, the hands of the people that you're working with? Or how is it transforming your orientation to what you call mission? You know, if we're not asking those questions at every turn, then I do think we're doing a disservice Hmm. in theological education. Shauna Bowman on AIJCast. You can connect with them online through their website, creationlab.org and Friendship Presbyterian through their website, fpcchicago.org, and find out more about the exciting things happening at Friendship Community Place at friendshipcommunityplace.org. On our next episode, we go back to 2017 again for our conversation with photographer Ely. AIJCast is made possible through the support of listeners like you. We can only do what we do because of your support, so please do take just a moment and go to our website, AIJCast.com, and click on that fancy little link that says support. And we absolutely love to hang out with you on the socials that are media. We are there on a number of platforms where our handle is AIJCast. Our theme music comes from our house band, Marg Fame. And we are engineered, mixed, and produced by the somewhat sheltered Al Mudif, who is so fantastically encouraging when I need to do a second take. Oh, you really messed that one up. Like, let's do it again. And I'm your host, Martha M. Sanders, encouraging you to create some beauty of your own. And remember that the world isn't truly beautiful until it's beautiful for all. Until next time, I hope you'll paint your own canvas with justice and Thanks.